The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this show's all about entrepreneurs. I work with entrepreneurs day in, day out. Small businesses, startups, early stage businesses, the people that are building the new economies, they're creating the new jobs, and hopefully very soon changing our economic fortunes. It's entrepreneurs that are going to change this world for the better. It's entrepreneurs that are going to get rid of all tired old traditions of the past and all the prejudices of the past. It's entrepreneurs who will kickstart the economic recovery and build the high-paying, high-skilled jobs that are essential for the 21st century. So in this program, we try to have guests that inform you so that you don't make the mistakes that most of us who went before you have made. I'd hate anybody to make some of the mistakes I've made. Blimey. Now, this is your show. You let us know what you'd like us to talk about, and that's what we'll talk about. And uh, it's all about you. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, there's, there's nothing that's better than being an entrepreneur. You know, it's invigorating. It's challenging. It's, it's about making decisions. It's about making the right decisions, about controlling your own destiny. And, you know, if you don't succeed, you've got nobody else to blame but yourself. But, you know, I've said over and over again that being successful as an entrepreneur is about a number of things. And having a great product is only 10 to 15% of the battle. The other 85% is your strategy, your ability to run a business, and your ability to manage people. You know, one of the funny things about entrepreneurs is despite the product only being 10 to 15% of the battle to be successful, I get about 150 thereabouts requests every week from entrepreneurs who are seeking assistance in one way or another. And probably 75% of them believe the only thing stopping them from having the next billion dollar idea is funding. The part that I find extraordinary is that very few of them have a business plan that's worth reading and even fewer have an investment document that any potential investor is going to read. Only a handful of entrepreneurs are smart enough to engage people who know what they're doing and have raised a lot of money before to assist them preparing the documentation and to go and meet face-to-face and negotiate the deals with the potential investors. It's surprising how many 
entrepreneurs do not have any skill or any experience in face-to-face meetings at all. So you might remember when I had Tim Draper on the program, and Tim's one of the biggest VCs in the world. And he said that meeting the entrepreneur and feeling their passion for the project was equally as important as anything else in their decision on whether or not to invest. So I thought I'd make a few suggestions to those of you who are out there looking for funding on how you just might go about improving your chances of investment. On this program and other programs like us, we talk about startups and early stage companies that have successfully raised lots of funds because it's rare. And so when somebody does get good funding, we talk about it. In most of the blogs and the newspaper articles and reading the Angel Network, you know, the newsletters they put out, you can be excused for thinking the world is absolutely awash with venture capital. And all you have to do is run an ad somewhere and money will come flooding in. The reality is absolutely nothing is further from the truth. Raising funds, particularly if you don't have the right documentation, and if you don't have good contacts, is extremely difficult. In fact, it's nearly bloody impossible. One of my friends in the angel investment business told me that less than 5% of startups and early stage companies get the funding that they want. And usually, they have to give away a much larger percentage of the company than they'd wanted to give away. Now, don't get me wrong, there's certainly examples of big and fast rounds and companies where money did come flooding in, but this isn't the norm, nor should you expect it. Fundraising is hard, no matter what anyone tells you. Okay, the first tip I want to give you. You must have the right documentation. When you first approach an investor, they have probably received dozens, if not hundreds of proposals, and most people send them business plans, many of them 50 or 70 pages long. So no venture capitalist or even a casual investor has time to read thousands upon thousands of pages of information every day. So you need a one, two or a three page investment document that blows them away that gives them the guts of what it's about, why there's a need, how big the need is, who the competition is, and how you plan to go out there and capture that market. When you initially talk to an investor, they have all the power. They don't need your ideas. There's a 100 more waiting to come in the door. You have no power. You need your their money or your dreams likely to just die. So, From the very first document you send them, you have to change this paradigm. So what this investment document needs to do is to convince them that they really want to know more about your project. You need to change the frame so that they come back to you for more information. And this time, you have what they want and not the opposite way around. This makes an amazing difference to your chances of getting investment. The second thing to remember is the time is absolutely not on your side. If you're serious about getting funding, 
This is a full-time job, and you really have to focus on it and go for it. Of course, this focus is detrimental to the project you're working on. If you're an early-stage company, your customers, your users, your employers, employees, everybody involved will continue to require your dedicated focus. And when you're trying to attract funding, this is not the time to take your ball, your eye off the ball with the business. And that's what happens. Talking to investors, selling your project to people who most of the time just won't get it, being rejected over and over and over again, it's frustrating, it's tiring, and frequently you just feel like packing it in. So fundraising process can take months. During this period, everything else suffers. So you need your document documentation and your potential contact list to be as good as it can possibly be before you even start because the shorter this whole process is the better moving fast and efficiently can also help prevent potential investors from having second thoughts and if an investor thinks the project has been around for a while and that it's been offered to a number of other people then they start wondering why didn't other people invest in this? What are others seeing that I'm missing? So the longer it stays out there, the less chance you've got. The third thing to bear is that you have to work with whoever the investor is. If you've got a great project, then you could be working with them for a very, very long time. And despite most investors saying they will be hands off, the reality is that if things are not going exactly as you promised them, then they will be on the phone to you constantly and they will be an absolute pain in the ass. That is one of the reasons why you should think about talking to companies that are in a position to be a valuable partner rather than just an arm's length investor. If you go the investor route to make sure you, make sure you get to know them pretty well, otherwise it can be a very long and painful journey. Another thing to remember is that, surprise, surprise, investors lie. You'll often be told that they really like it, they're looking at it further, they'll get back to you. What they're really saying is, it's dead in the water. I just don't want to tell you this early. So until you have a check in the bank, don't go out and buy the Cristal because there's probably a lot of disappointments ahead of you. I meet investors all the time that say, you know, I was this close. I went for four interviews. I was so close. Well, everybody says that. You'll get close a lot of times before you get accepted. So the fourth point becomes make sure that you check out any p potential investor. And as our world gets become increasingly connected, and more intimate. There's more communication among entrepreneurs than ever before, and there's more communication between investors than ever before. So what you want to know is how did they behave as an investor in the good times, and even more importantly, how were they in the difficult times? The point is to always try and stay in charge. Being an entrepreneur is tough, 
You run out of funding very quickly, and the temptation is to start chasing money as soon as possible. But no matter how badly you need investment, don't start fundraising until you are absolutely ready. The more advanced you are, the better your material is, the less equity you need to give away, and the easier it is to get funding. The sixth point to remember, in my opinion, is that after you've got their interest with the initial investment document, they're going to want additional information. This is where you need to have a business plan that you have vigorously and objectively evaluated everything. Don't leave anything out because they'll find it. Evaluate your opportunities, your competition, the realities of the marketplace. It's also important that you consider things like changes in consumer attitudes or possible regulatory changes because they will find them. You've got to have answers to questions like how much are you raising? What do you plan to do with all the money? And there's 101 other questions that I get asked on behalf of clients every day. Now, you need to be seen to have total command of the subject and most importantly, be extremely enthusiastic while at the same time coming across as very practical, very logical and very professional. Equally as important is for all the people that are working with you that the investor might meet to also be equally knowledgeable and equally, equally enthusiastic. You also need to realise that once you've advertised your investment opportunity and has spoken to a few people about it, very quickly everyone knows. Word spreads very quickly and they'll know who passed on it. Once the word is out that investors are not very excited about it, it becomes progressively more difficult for you to attract investment. Phew, it's not easy. In fact, it's hard. We get a lot of emails here at Bob Pritchard Show, and I, I love to hear from you because I, I take those into account when I start thinking about what I'm going to talk about on the show. So I hope you go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enroll for my newsletter. The next one's out start of August. Don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Tweet me at the Bob Pritchard. Join me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google+. Contact me in any way you fancy. If you want to book me for a presentation for your business event, Drop me an email. I guarantee that I will fire up your team and get great results. Now, with the Olympics being at the end of the week, I thought it was appropriate to speak with Olympic gold medalist Kerry Pothast. And I'll do that immediately after this short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. 
Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at BobPritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at BobPritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, where we interview two guests a week who set a great example for all of us that are in business or are looking to achieve in any field of endeavor. Today we've been talking about passion and performance and how important that is if you want to achieve success. Our next guest epitomizes both passion and perseverance. Kerry Pothast is a triple Olympian with two Olympic medals. She spent 22 years competing in indoor and beach volleyball at the highest level. Since retiring in 2005, Kerry divides the time between her three passions, family, coaching elite level basketball, and inspiring people from all walks of life to achieve excellence through a keynote presentations and of motivational workshops. Kerry is the author of the book, The Business of Being an Athlete. Hi, Kerry. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I am terrific. <laughs> so it's um do you have a good christmas i have yes wonderful with family and friends it's always great to um sort of just revisit all those people that are special to you yeah, it is. at this time of year i you dreamed of being an olympic champion as young as 15 were you already competing at a high level at that stage or Oh, look, not at all. I actually stumbled across my sport. Um, I was just asked to fill in in a social game of, of indoor volleyball. I really liked it, and at that point I was six foot tall. I'd never really played a lot of... I played a bit of sport, but I didn't have big ambitions at that point. And, um, you know, I was quite gangly and, and tall and skinny and sensitive as a teenager got teased a bit and, and pretty you know got it, it sort of got to me but when I found volleyball I, I thought wow this is something that I can be good at and it's a, something that I'm tall um, for as well so you know I started to get patted on the back and people started to say hey you're good at this sport and obviously obviously my confidence grew and uh, yeah I just I went from there and and went into the state and national teams and absolutely found my passion. I guess the great thing about that is everybody else is tall too. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's right. I was looking people in the eye instead of always bending over talking to my friends. Yeah, well, with my bald spot, that's sensitive. Um, <laughs> so why did you decide to write your book, The Business of Being an Athlete? Because it is a business, isn't it? It, it takes the same well, disciplines and... Yes, exactly. Well, look, it's been a burning desire ever since I retired to write a book. Um, I didn't want to just do the the old biography and write about my 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 life, my history in sport, because I thought, well, there's only going to be few people that would be interested in that, perhaps. Um, I thought what I wanted to really get across to people and young athletes and anybody really in any walk of life is 
how I um, how I achieved my success, and it started off with the business side of it because you know in a sport in women's sport in Australia, especially in um, a low-profile sport of volleyball or beach volleyball, there's not a lot of money around, and and to be a full-time athlete that was you know quite expensive. So I had to devise ways of of earning an income, and I did that through speaking, learning to to speak, and and doing corporate days. And we we uh, myself and Natalie Cook, my teammate for the Olympics, yep. we we had to try and get sponsorship so we had to learn how to, to deal with sponsors deal with the media you know be in meetings and all, the whole business side of, of you know um, developing a brand around yourself so sure. I thought that's what I really wanted to write across write about and get across to athletes and then when I started writing that I thought well I really want to talk about you know the passion and, and setting the goals and how you turn your dreams into reality and and at the end of that I thought well I really wanted to also cover all the, the mindset all the things that you need to do mentally to achieve success and that's I guess what appeals to a lot of people outside of sport um, the mindset that you need to be successful so that you know in my book that covers everything from having the right attitude um, getting getting out of negative self-talk self-confidence dealing with challenges um, you know everything like that you know how to develop a great positive and um, successful mindset to achieve success and all that stuff is so important for any endeavour, no matter what, what it is. I've spoken to a number of really successful people on this program and um, people like Tim Draper, who was a guy responsible for Hotmail and, and Skype and all that clever stuff, multi-billionaire, said, to, said on the program, the most important thing is passion. If you've got that passion, that'll drive your determination, it'll drive all the other things. Absolutely, and once you get that passion, because you're you're living the life that you you love, you're actually doing what you love doing. You've got you're passionate about it, then you can develop the belief. And and for Natalie and I, between the '96 Olympics where we won a bronze medal and the 2000 Olympics in Sydney at home where we won the gold, the real little last piece of the puzzle for us in those last sort of I guess six months before the Olympics was that last little ounce of belief because we had to play. Teams in the world that we'd never beaten before, mm. um, and we'd never actually won an event. We'd come second and third so many times that that elusive gold medal in any sort of world event had always um, run away from us. So we had to develop a belief without having done it before, um, and we did all sorts of different things to do that on and off the court. And obviously, I write all about that in my book, The Business of Being an Athlete, and and um, you know, just give examples of how you can create that belief and I think for me in the end the belief was the thing that got us over the line and, and got us on top of the podium I think that's so true um, I've done a lot of work and maybe you have too there's a great speaker out of London called Frank Dick who is a motivator coach and he has people like Beckham and those you know Manchester United mm. and small clients like that and he <laughs> um, um, he says that at an elite level of business and of sport the difference between the athletes or the business people is negligible the person who wins is the person who believes it the most and wants it the most exactly so, Exactly. And there's no doubt Natalie and I believed it the most and wanted it the most because the night before the final, and we realised this only a couple of weeks later when we spoke about what, what each other were thinking that night and we both said to each other without, you know, without a lie, we both honestly said that night we were lying there practising our victory speeches. We had so <laughs> much it. 
belief. It was, yeah, it was quite incredible. We were, we're so on the same page, and you know, if you're developing a team, whether it's a team at work or a team on the on the field, you know, you've all got to be on the same page. You've all got to have that same belief because if somebody doesn't, that that's the miss, you know, that's the link that doesn't quite make up the chain. So, you've got to get that whole chain believing. Six knee surgeries. Yeah, nice, huh? Terrific. (laughs) Yeah, well, that actually is the reason I I switched from indoor to beach because I I seriously injured myself after 10 years on the indoor volleyball courts without so much as even a sprained ankle, mind you. Um, I had a really bad landing on a a spike and um, I landed and twisted and ruptured my cruciate and medial and ligaments and then damaged cartilage and meniscus really, really badly a year later. I did the same thing. It is bad. Yeah. Brutal. It is brutal, and I, I couldn't quite get back from it. So a year later, I, I made the switch to beach and had another ten years. So uh, in a different career. So well, that takes a lot of guts. Yeah, look, and it also, again, we talk back, it's about passion. I I absolutely love my sport, and I didn't want to stop. I just found another way. So, you know, whenever you're up against the wall and you you want to just, you know, keep on going, you've got to find a way, and I found that way, and it was beach volleyball, and it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. So, you know, great things can come out of of dark, dark days. Right. So what's it like? to win a gold medal in front of your home crowd that are all absolutely (laughs) rooting for you and then walking up onto that podium, that must be the most extraordinary feeling. It is, and it's something that I don't know if I'll ever... I don't remember the actual moment so much because it just once that last ball landed out, it was just a bit of a blur because it was just we're on such a high and yeah. I can I look at the video and it's almost like it's not me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I, the the great thing is that ever since then I've been speaking about that and about my success and how I achieved it. Um, and I get to relive it all the time and I get to see the video because it's always my opening introduction and, you know, it, it is special and I'm just so grateful that it was in Sydney. I mean, what a fantastic place. I had coaches and players that I'd played with over the years and all my friends, they all drove from wherever they were around <laughs> Australia and got on flights as soon as we'd made the finals. They were like, we've got to be there and they're all saying, get us some tickets and, and luckily the Olympic Committee... They must know this happens because they obviously have some tickets yeah. left over and for this sort of thing and for the athletes to give their, their families and friends. And we all got about, I think Natalie and I got about um, 10 or, or 15 or so extra tickets to be able to give to those people that came specially to witness it. But to have my family and all my friends and, and people there as well as, you know, 10,000 other strangers yeah. <laughs> is pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Okay, contrast that with when you won the bronze medal. How did you feel? Were you were you oh, feel elated to win a bronze medal, or do you feel defeated oh, that you hadn't won the gold? Well, look, the, the 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 horrible feeling was the day before when we lost the semi against the team that we could have beaten. You know, we'd beaten them quite a few times, and we choked because we went into the, that game hoping not to lose. You know, we had a completely yeah. different mindset, and I speak about it, that all the time. The difference, the way we walked onto that court in Atlanta in '96. 
in that semi-finals just going, oh my God, I hope we don't lose with such sort of fear of losing. Whereas we walked onto the court in Sydney for the gold medal match with just no ounce of doubt or fear whatsoever. So it was just a completely different atmosphere. But of course we lost that semi in Atlanta. So then the next day we had to sort of make it up and play off for the bronze. And the difference was the inspiration that we had around us. I mean, that night, Kieran Perkins, one of Australia's most famous swimmers won the 1500 freestyle and you know from lane eight that was incredible down and out yeah and that's what we watched that night between our semi and then the playoff for bronze to inspire us you know someone who was totally out of it to then come back and and win gold and that totally inspired us so you know, and I, I say to people when they when they need inspiration, look around them, look around to you know whether it's books, whether it's quotes that they hang up on their wall, whether it's other people that have achieved what they want to achieve. There's so much inspiration and positivity around us. Yeah. We just have to to be able to grab that and and make use of it, and that got us back on track, and we came out and. And we played against the Americans on their home soil in Atlanta for that bronze, and we still managed to get them. So, uh, yeah, it was a, that was pretty amazing. Well, that's First good. ever medal. Um, so what are you doing these days? Well, as I said, do a lot of motivational speaking. Um, I've always been thinking eventually it's going to dry up. People are not going to want to hear from me anymore, but it just seems to get busier and busier. And, yeah. I, and I think um, it's becoming more and more important. Well, exactly, and the key is, as an athlete, rather than just telling your story, you you relate it back to the people that you're talking to. So, I've got better and better at that over the years, and and you know I've made a really nice career out of it, um, as well as doing corporate events on the beach, getting other people to come down and playing beach volleyball with me. So that's fun, and uh, I have a five-year-old son, and you know all sorts of writing the book and and running workshops now for athletes. So yeah, all sorts busy. of things. Keeps me busy. Love it. I was speaking to Lane um, Beachley a few weeks ago, and she's got um, seven seven world titles, which is quite remarkable. (laughs) And she was raving about your book. So how can our listeners get a copy of it? That is fantastic. Well, it's now on Amazon, so you can buy it through Amazon if you're um, overseas. Um, outside of Australia. If you're in Australia, you can go to my website, which is called thebusinessofbeinganathlete.com, um, or you just look up my name, Kerry Potas, and you'll find it. Should be in bookstores around Australia as well. Overseas, again, Amazon. You can also get it in Kindle format through Amazon Kindle, um, and it's just about onto iTunes now as well. We're just uh, just doing all that formatting. But if somebody can't find it and wants to get hold of it, just send me an email, which is or my, my... Or they yeah, can send an email through. to me at the program. Absolutely. Well, it's damned hard to win a gold medal. It's equally <laughs> hard to be successful in business. And yes. um, Kerry, fantastic example for anyone in business or in any other endeavour. Thanks, great to speak to you, and I'll be back after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, 
advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Are you happy with the management and leadership style of your organization? Do you think it could use some improvement? No matter the level of leadership at your organization, you'll be sure to learn something new when you tune in to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Through a unique lecture and interview format, we'll bring you ideas, questions, and answers that will help you run any organization, whether for-profit or not. Listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Hi. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And this is the segment of the show where we speak with entrepreneurs who are making a difference or who are doing something unusual. My guest today is Vin H. Lee, who is the founder and chairman of TeamVin.com International. It's hard to say, chairman of TeamVin.com International, a.k.a. The, whose company is looking for an investor or group to inject $1 million for expansion. Now, V is debt-free. It's classified as technology, internet, and service for individuals in the network marketing industry. Vin is confident, and this is what caught my eye, that this $1 million will make TeamVin.com into a billion-dollar business. So I thought today I'd get Vin to tell us about his business and then have him present to us just like he was talking to an investor because we'd like to help Vin get the investment that he needs. That's what this show's about. So listen up, and let's see how well he does. Hi, Vin. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hello, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. First of all, let me just tell the listeners a bit about your background. Um, You've got knowledge and experience in the network marketing industry, also known as multi-level marketing, since 1998 beginning with a company called Nutrition for Life International. When they filed Chapter 7, you lost your first income. You then went into real estate, where you were doing really well, until the banks collapsed, which cost you everything. Mate, that must have been a really tough time. 
Uh, yes, Bob, and I'm sure my story in regards to real estate is familiar to many of the listeners out there. Uh, long story short, I lost over a million dollars cash as the banks and real estate market tumbled. I lost my home, cars, and my credit cards were piling up. It was a very stressful time in my life. However, um, being a business warrior and entrepreneur, if you will, I picked myself up and gained an experience and I moved forward. Yeah, that's hard to do. That's 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 great. So then, in 2008, you went back into MLM with a company selling advertising product. We very quickly became a star salesman, making up to 2,400 bucks every day. Then, in August 2008, the company was shut down by the government. Despite these setbacks, multi-level marketing is a highly efficient way of selling a product, and it seems to me that more companies are going into MLM each year. Um, as I understand it, it's a $135 billion industry now worldwide, and it's heading towards a trillion dollars. Yet, in reality, only 90, over 99% of people in, in MLM, they fail to make a profit, and only 1% make any money. Why the hell is that? Well, Bob, sadly, the less than 1% make money from the 99%. You know, the people that pay the enrollment fees, sign up, got really excited, then fail. It's a very big problem out there right now. Uh, over 99% fail because they simply cannot sell effectively. My analogy is uh, it's simply successful salespeople, or I call them professionals, are well-trained and in a league of their own, much like doctors, attorneys, and engineers. In the same way, an ordinary person wouldn't try to spearhead their own medical treatment or drop their own legal contracts. V has professionals to build the MLM business for the individuals. Yeah, this is interesting because, um, you know, most people think that anybody can be a salesman where in fact a salesman is a very skilled profession and uh, you know the, the reason why I was reading a, uh, an article about a car salesman who sells 2,000 cars a month and the average car salesman sells six or something and the difference is one's a professional and one's not um, so now you've had three failures in a row all of which cost you everything you had and none of which were your fault so How'd you get up and keep going after that? I would have packed it in probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, after the last MLM program that didn't work out, I simply stopped and went into deep thinking to find a civic solution to fix this very big problem in the network marketing industry. So in August of 2008, I saw the vision and found the V concept. Now, you've put something like $500,000 into infrastructure and programming and beta testing this solution. And... Uh, you reckon it's the best product globally for all people involved in MLM. How the hell does it work? Well, in MLM, Bob, when a person successfully recruits another person into their MLM business, that conversion is called a personally enrolled. A personally enrolled is the most valuable result in MLM. Uh, simply, these flagship product is called a V-Pack. Each one VPAC generates one personally enrolled that is placed into the MLM downline for the individual automatically. V does this ongoing for all individuals and everyone in their downline. V basically generates all the leads and does all the selling and all the recruiting of a qualified MLM program for you or for the individual. V saves you time, money, and a ton of wasted energies. Yeah, a lot of wasted energies. So you say that with one million bucks, you can complete the system and have it fully functional in the marketplace. 
You also say that the V solution can create billions of dollars and create many jobs. That's a big statement. So what makes it that good? Well, I'm proud to share that during our testing with over a thousand founding members, we confirmed that because of the people would engage with virtually any MLM company and importantly stay in it. In fact, many would not even have returned to the MLM industry if it weren't for V. Now let's talk about the attrition rate. In the world of MLM, over 90% of the people dropping out within one year is very typical. Check this out. Even though V was only in a technical development and testing phase, V only had a less than 10% attrition rate in over three years. That's phenomenal. The V concept has the power to convert individuals in MLM the quickest and keep them in the, the longest. So, just um, do people fail because they can't sell and they keep trying, or do they fail because they just simply run out of friends and give up? As, as stated, many of them are not professional salesmen in art. Um, in in that topic, you know, for multi generations now, uh, or for hundreds of years, if you will, we're groomed to. You know, get a job, you know, uh, yeah. go to school and get a job. And uh, that is why most of these MLM, or if not all of them, are doomed to fail because they're trying to change a person into a sales. By the way, what is the world's number one fear? It's not death, it's uh, public speaking, if yeah. you will. And that's yeah. why people are failing. So if I or any of our listeners invested one million bucks in V, what would they get for that? Would they get shares in the company? What sort of what sort of return could they expect on that? First, Bob, as required by the SEC, you must be an accredited investor to engage with VA and their legal private placement memorandum, which is administered by our federal attorney, Nimmer Law Firm, or Mr. John C. Nimmer. Yep. The investor can either get equity of V or engage in a convertible debenture with reasonable terms negotiated. Next, let's talk about the market and potential returns. Um, during testing of V, the average spend for each V member is at least $500, and some are willing to spend thousands. Yep. And with over 56 million individuals currently engaged in the MLM industry today, according to the DSA, V is a multi-billion-dollar potential in terms of the addressable market itself. And in terms of timing, historically, during economic recessions, more people take salvation within the MLM industry more than at uh, any other times. So let me get this straight. The V system allows anyone to affordably hire and engage you guys... And this involves an elite professional sales team that's trained by you. And in work, and working in conjunction with several other proprietary advertising and marketing channels, you will propel the MLM business for them. So you would convert them from one of the 99% fail that fail to one of the people that becomes a huge su success. Am I getting that right? So you take the 99% that fail and make them successful. Yes, that is correct, but we simply take anyone that's uh, struggling or failing in uh, MLM and just simply increase their probability of success quite dramatically. Uh, it was birthed from a very civic vision. <clears throat> I saw so many people not only fail in MLM, but I also saw close relationships in terms of family, friends, and business associates that MLM can hurt or taint. 
these are perhaps just some of the negative side effects of MLM after one fails. Yeah. Because V has the power to quickly convert anyone, V can dramatically increase MLM success rate for any anybody out there. That's a real problem, isn't it? it? That people do burn their friends, don't they? I mean, people get sick of you knocking on the door trying to sell them stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as stated, I also want to strongly emphasize that V is an enemy to no one in terms of my uh, personal quote. But, uh, for example, look at Amway, which, uh, by the way, has a factual failure rate of 99.99%. That is a success rate of only less than 0.001%. Now imagine if, for example, V would propel Amway and help more of the failing individuals succeed. Just another 0.001% would double Amway's success rate. What would that do to the bottom line of a multi-billion-dollar MLM giant? By yeah. typically focusing on the needs of the individual and to help him or her succeed more in MLM, V has a power to do much more. This is only the tip of the iceberg. And to all the parents out there that are struggling with MLM, with V, not only you can save money, you can literally and immediately save your time and stay at home. Leave it up to the pros and, le and let it, uh, V be your real MLM salvation. So I look forward to creating much more smiles in many families throughout the world. And, no, and I know we're short in time here, so in closing, um, V is debt-free. The concept of V is very strongly accepted. And V is international right now with no boundaries. V is also uh, positioning itself to go public in the very near future. V can be a Fortune 500 company that is specifically engineered to serve the millions of individuals whom are in dire need of us in the MLM industry worldwide right now. We're looking for an investor or partner to financially back us so we can fully deploy within a few short weeks from receiving the $1 million expansion funding. And I want to uh, emphasize that beyond the 56 million people that are currently involved in MLM, uh, we really apply to every breathing adult on earth whom wants an affordable turnkey international business solution and income. Right. The, I think it's incredible. and. and if um, give you the a, a million dollars, how quickly before you're up and running? How how quickly the can you um, get this fully operational? We've been developing since uh, January of 2009, so for over three years we've been preparing for this moment. Uh, within about 90 days from receiving uh, the funds, we can get up to full deployment, and that will probably. Um, hands down the most exciting time in the network marketing industry, period. Are any of the network marketers going to see you as a threat? I know I know you, you don't believe you're a threat, but like an Amway, are they going to see you as a threat? No. As I just mentioned before, I see us as an enemy to no one because uh, by focusing you know, uh, on the individual in terms of helping him succeed, we're really helping everybody all the way up the pyramid, if you will, in terms of the food chain, all the way yeah. up to the owner of the actual MLM company. Okay. So any of our listeners who'd like to know more about this great opportunity and get involved with Finn can contact him by, you can email me, bob at bobpritchard.com, or you can go directly to Vin's website at www.teamvin.com. That's T-E-A-M-V-I-N-H dot com. Or you can call Vin directly at 612-860-0059. That's 612 
860-0059 here in the United States. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Show. Coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles, where, again, it is stifling hot. Phew, I know it's hot across the country, but boy. We really appreciate your emails. And um, as I mentioned earlier, this program is for you. And um, so we want to know what you want us to talk about. And we will do our best to accommodate you. First email tonight is from Alice Burns from Boise, Idaho. Alice writes, Dear Bob, thanks for your program. It's a great source of information for me. My question is more generic. Why is there such a dearth of women directors on boards and as CEOs of major companies? That is a very good question. Alice, I went on to Google today and I found that in 2012, 80 of the Fortune 500 companies have a woman on the board of directors, and 19 of the Fortune 500 companies have a woman as CEO. Now, when you think that there's probably six directors on a board, that's 3,000 directors, and 80 of them are women, and women make up 52% of the population, that's a pretty appalling figure. However, this week, everybody was applauding Marissa Meyer's appointment as CEO of Yahoo and it's an undeniable cause for celebration. You know, for all of us who'd like to see a lot more women in positions of power, not only in Silicon Valley but right across America, it was a fantastic week. But we do need to keep in mind that this only represents 20% of women women on boards and probably about 4% of women in board positions 
and 4% of women in CEO positions. Now, when they comprise 52% of the population, the majority of graduates these days are women, these numbers are bloody pathetic. Compounding this is a serious lack of women in the next tier of management, so there's not many people there to come up through the ranks. So one would have thought that with women comprising a majority of graduates these days, that there'd be more women in senior positions in startups, but there's not. So is this because women are not in there really trying, although I'd find that difficult to believe? Or is it the lack of role models for women? Or are men so intimidated by women that they keep this whole thing as an all-boys club? I suspect it's somewhat of the latter. Now, before she was named CEO of Yahoo the other day, Maya was one of the most respected executives in Silicon Valley. But her appointment as CEO of Yahoo makes her one of the most prominent female chief executives in the world. She describes herself as a geek, and she was the 20th employee ever to work at Google. And thanks to the stock options she received for joining Google so early, she's worth $300 million. It's not bad. 20th employee, $300 million. So congratulations are certainly in order for Marissa. She's an inspiration to women everywhere or to everyone everywhere that aspires to be a CEO and particularly to those who aspire to have a career as well as a family. Marissa's pregnant and that was certainly wasn't an obstacle in a path. So come on, girls. Get out there and grab business by the scruff of the neck. There are a whole bunch of us guys that are supporting you all the way. Don't worry about the boring conservative lot with the grey hair, grey suits and grey minds. Forget about them. The old, boring, traditional companies will eventually disappear anyway. It's a bit like those right-wing Republicans. It's only a matter of time. So we'll send you out a copy of Marketing Magic a book that I wrote with Brian Tracy, Joey Conrad Levinson, Robert Bly and some others, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Michael Johnson of Albany, New York wrote, Dear Bob, you've said so many times on your program that 95% of companies fail in 10 years, and I read the other day that 85% of startups fail inside one year. Is this because they can't get funding? Well, I haven't heard that figure, but it wouldn't surprise me. Michael, um, I think I said earlier in the program that it's only maybe 10 to 15% of what makes a, a company successful is the, proje- the project itself. Having the money to do it properly is probably another 10 to 15%, but it's not about money. Almost half of the companies on the Fortune 500 list began with less than $5,000, so it's not about money. I reckon the reason that most startups and early stage businesses fail is because the entrepreneur has a total lack of knowledge and experience about business. And judging by the quality of the business plans that I'm sent, the typical entrepreneur knows virtually nothing about running a business, very little about spelling, and has no experience at all in running anything. So... Let's take a person who invents a new security technology. The moment he starts a business, they're no longer a 
security technologist or whatever the term is. They are a business owner. That's a totally different thing. The knowledge, experience and expertise that they have in security does not help them one scrap to run a business. In fact, none of this knowledge has anything remotely to do with running a business. So you might be the world's greatest security expert. But if you're a fucking lousy businessman, you will go out of business. The only security you'll need is on the doors of your house to keep the people who are delivering the summonses and keep them out. So even if you had experience in security in the biggest security company in the world, your knowledge and experience of how a company is run has only been seen through the eyes of an employee. You don't have any knowledge and experience of how to run a company as a business owner. Having worked for and worked with major corporations and also work, having worked as an entrepreneur, I can absolutely, absolutely guarantee you that the experience is unbelievably different. It is damn hard to run a business. As a business owner, you need to be a master of marketing, finance, operations and sales. And they probably don't teach any of that in security school. You may understand the details of operations, how to establish systems and programs to catch the bad guys, and you might do that very well. Now you need to hire people, the right people. You need to create an organisational structure that works. You need to lead your team. You need to inspire them. And you need to do 101 other things that have absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with security. So, Michael, the major reason entrepreneurs and small businesses fail, I don't believe it has anything to do with money. Most of these businesses fail because they are simply bloody awful business people. Thanks for your email. We'll send you off a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition which we're very confident will be a great help to your business as it has been to so many other businesses. My last email today is from Alastair King of Chicago who writes, I really enjoy the program. Keep up the good work. I realize that to be successful in today's environment, we need to continue to evolve our business and that means we all need to be more creative. How do I encourage my team to think outside box? Alastair, that's a great question, and I'm probably not going to get much time to go into that, so we'll keep that one for next week. So send in your questions, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I will see you again at the same time next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.